Hi, I'm Taryn Winterbrill, host of Bestseller TV on C-Suite Radio. On this show, I sit down with leading business authors to find out what makes their books stand out from the crowd. With thousands of new business books and titles being published each year, we try to make it just a little bit easier for you to decide which ones are worth the read. Thanks for listening. This podcast is part of the C-Suite Radio Network, turning the volume up on business. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Bestseller TV. I'm Taryn Winterbrill. We're here with Mark Schulman. He is the author of The Attitude Equation, the definitive formula for exceptional life outcomes. Mark, it's great to have you with us. I love your articulation. Can I bring you with me everywhere? So you could just introduce the book just like that. Yes, please. (laughs) (laughs) You got it. Uh, First off, congratulations on the book. Uh, It's spectacular. I can't wait to dive into it. But just based off the title, speaking of exceptional life outcomes, let's talk about yours. (laughs) Because for for anyone who may not know, you're one of the best drummers of all time. You were the drummer for Pink for World Tours. You've worked with Beyonce, Billy Idol, Cher, Stevie Nicks. I could go on and on and on. When you were a little boy, Mark, did you want to become the proverbial rock star? (laughs) Well, I must say that in all honesty, drums chose me. I truly believe it. I believe that we come into this life with some propensities of who who we are. I mean, I've got a 12-year-old daughter. Her personality has always been the same since she had a personality, since she was beyond an infant. And, you know, I saw the Beatles on Ed Sullivan when I was two years old. And I saw John, Paul, George, and then I saw Ringo. And something resonated deep inside. And then I saw the screaming girls. I'm like, I'm in! But it was a true resonance. And I sat at a drum set at five years old, and I could play. And I knew everything about the drums. I wasn't like a prodigy, but it just, I really truly believe that I came into this life with that um, destiny, so to speak. And then it was just up to me. And fortunately, I had amazing parents that were both professors, by the way, that still supported my uh, my drumming fascination. Um, although initially it was like, I, I told my mom, I want to play drums. She said, nah, they're too loud. Can't you play a nice instrument like your brother, Randy? He plays violin. So I started playing cello. So I grew up playing cello and they finally couldn't deny my passion. At nine years old, they bought me a drum set. And playing cello was great because it actually gave me a great sense of pitch because it's a fretless instrument. And I could actually listen to an orchestra and tell you who's out of tune now. And then I, it helped me with, you know, getting into producing. So um, it was an inevitability for me that I would be a drummer. I didn't see anything else. I was very myopic, um, even though I was a grammar and composition tutor because my dad was a, you know, had a PhD in grammar. And, you know, I went through all the motions, but then I quit college. I never even got a bachelor's because I started playing music full time. So it was in the cards. But then an evolution happened because I started doing music clinics and I realized I have the teaching gene and I really love getting up in front of people. And I found that people were resonating more with the success coaching and the stories than the drumming. And that's what eventually led me to sort of transposing that into the corporate speaker that I am, because I realized I could take that format where I'm basically playing drums. When I do my corporate speeches, I play drums. It's like an expansion of my drum clinics. I just have gotten to, I've gotten a lot more refined and studied with speaking coaches and acting coaches and directors and refined my craft and now understand the 
communication that I need to have with the corporate clients and what they're looking for and what their pains and their challenges. So that's why I quit touring because I decided, you know what, I have a greater sense of purpose as a speaker than I did as a drummer. And I've been touring for 32 years, hence also the desire to write books and to communicate some of the philosophies that I have either created or co-created with others, like my new book is a co-creation with a guy who's been like my mentor, Dr. Jim Samuels, for four, for 35 years. I've This guy's been my mentor, and he's one of the greatest thinkers. And actually, A times B equals C, the concept of the book, is his. I just expand upon it and communicate it live and have made it into what I call a rock show disguised as a keynote. But he gets the credit for the concept. Yeah, I'm just the uh, I'm I'm just the conduit. You know? Conduit. That's what I call myself. We have a lot in common. I don't play drums, but <laughs> but I can I can relate. I can to teach it. you. I can teach you. When I do my speeches, I get a volunteer to come up and I teach one person how to play a pink song in three minutes or less. Okay, real quickly because I feel like I've tried the drums and I have no connection to my, I'm a righty. I have no connection to my left hand. So Mark Schulman, you're saying that somebody like me who, you know, it's like, it's like not even there to me. I could really kind of get, get an ownership that quickly to use both hands with different beats and rhythms. I guarantee it. Wowza. Okay. So when we're <laughs> ever in the same city and we can get around a drum set, yeah, you get, you're going to get a lesson from me and you're okay. going to walk away going, I'm a badass because I can now play a pink song on drums, which is essentially the foundation for the groove for just about every pop, like 90% of the pop songs is the same. So if you could do this one little groove, you could basically be the foundation or play the foundation of just about every other pop song on the planet. C-Suite Radio. So... Let's let's get into it. You know, I was going to ask you about your co-author because in the book you talk about, you know, what an influential person he's he's been, you know, in your life. But tell us about this idea of attitude. You mentioned A times B equals C. What's that break down into and why were you so passionate about this this art of the attitude and, you know, sharing this this, you know, genesis of a rock star attitude? Well, I'm passionate about it because it worked for me. The moment that I learned the formula from Dr. Jim, however gazillion years ago it was, I realized that this is so potent and so powerful, and I would use it every single day. And it's so simple. It's just based on the fact that we so much of the time cannot control what happens to us. But at any point in time, you have the power to change, control, or shift your attitude about what is happening to you. And all that takes is a decision to choose an attitude that serves you. Now that sounds very simple, I know. But the reality is, if anybody that's listening considers himself an action taker, and most of us do, mm -hmm. whenever you take an action, you're making a decision to take that action. The moment you make a decision, truly make a decision, you're cutting off all other possibilities. So if you decide you're going to consciously shift your attitude to create an attitude that supports you. And an attitude can be anything from love, happiness, joy, passion, courage. You are using that attitude and why it's so potent is your attitude is actually what drives your behavior. Right. I want you to think about that for a minute. It truly, you know, people talk about behavior modification. That's 
kind of an outdated concept. The truth is it's really about attitude modification because your attitude really does dictate your behavior. And one attitude can drive many behaviors and your behavior is what determines the consequences of your life. And so that's the attitude formula, A times B equals C, attitude times behavior equals consequence. And I challenge anybody to do that, to very simply make a decision to shift your attitude. Now, I've actually created a process that I, when I do my speeches, I actually demonstrate the process that I created for myself to create an immediate attitude shift. And I'm happy to share it with you right now if you want. It's very quick. Let's do it. So here's what I do. I do exactly what I ask everybody else to do. I choose an attitude that serves me. But I've studied, I use the best psychology and physiology that I have found to create the most immediate and powerful results. So uh, an attitude let's say, and you can think of attitude as a mindset or point of view, because a lot of people might not feel comfortable with the word attitude, so to speak. But as I said, it can be happiness, joy, courage, confidence. I use joy as an example because it's so simple. So I start by literally just recalling a time when I was joyful. And What's critical is you also want to attach physiology to it because this is a little secret I got from Tony Robbins that if you attach physiology to something, then it becomes more indelible and you actually put it inside your body, so to speak. And when I recall the time when I'm joyful, I also attach as many senses as I can to the experience. And first thing I want to do is prep my mind like something cool is about to happen. And I got this one from Mel Robbins. Just simply count backwards by five, like it's a rocket launch. So here's what I do. Five, four, three, two, one. I close my eyes. I clench my fists. I tighten my core. And I recall a time when I was joyful, adding as many senses to the experience as I can. And I'm doing it right now. And you see, I get this big old shift eaten grin on my face. Because when you smile, you're actually activating hundreds of muscles in your face and send a signal to your body to relax and send endorphins to your brain. So I just recalled a joyful moment. Now, the interesting thing about that is your mind does not time-bind emotional experiences. So if you truly recall a joyful moment and you're attaching the physiology to it, you're literally reliving it. You can re-experience the same joy again. And the example that I use, what I just did is I was recalling when I was on vacation with my family. I have a 12-year-old daughter who was 11 at the time. We were in Puerto Vallarta. We decided we wanted to sneak into the water, sneak into the pool after hours. So we did. So I could feel, when I recall the, the joy, I'm recalling like the feeling of the water on my skin, how it was a little chilly. And I'm hearing the sounds of us laughing and the water splashing and echoing. Um, and of course... She was carrying me underneath the water as an 11-year-old does with her dad. And I'm feeling the same exact joy I felt back then. So then I got my get my audience to stand up and just simply recall a time when they were joyful with their friends, with their family, um, you know, partying, celebrating, reading a good book, watching a good movie, because everybody can recall joyful moments. And I really ask everybody to commit. And when you add the physiology to it, that is an immediate attitude shift. That's a perfect example of what the book represents. Because by shifting my attitude, I have shifted my behavior, shifted the outcome, shifted my state, which not only impacts me, but then influences the attitudes, behaviors, and consequences of others. Because it's highly contagious. So it's such a powerful and simple formula. But what makes the book so potent 
is we interviewed a bunch of top performers in all industries from Jeffrey Hazlett. To, <laughs> I've heard of that guy. <laughs> um, I've heard of that guy to the you know, late, great Tony Shea, to Judd Apatow, to Howie Mandel, all of these incredible performers. And I asked them specifically to recall times when they, to think about it in these terms of how they created attitude shifts consciously. And everybody was able to do it. So everybody really resonated with the concept, regardless of the semantics of what you want to say about it. It really is so simple and so effective. So it's a great and simple concept to write a book about. And when you involve, you know, the stories of these amazing celebrity performers, you get a lot of engagement. And that's what we did. We kept the, the um, interviews essentially intact. We abridged them, of course. But the editor was very smart because she decided, okay, what we're going to do is we're going to ask questions at the beginning, you know, suggesting what people look for with each interview. And then so they, so they have a, sort of a, a, you know, a prerequisite of information that they're looking out for. And then at the end, we challenge everybody to do specific exercises, quote unquote, that are based on what they just read about that interview. So that's where you get your sort of self-help aspect of the book and an interactive book that actually has exercises and calls to action. Because I think it's critical if you employ the calls to action, then you really implement it and you go, oh, wow, that works. Right. That worked yeah. for me. I have to say, I, I read the book last night and it really moves. It, it's, it's really just awesome. I mean, because what you do is you break it up and you really can choose kind of choose your own adventure because you can, hey, do you want to talk about the attitude shift of a drummer, an athlete and a coach, a creative, right. a best-selling author, right. a business leader, an actor or a host? And you have this right. whole, whole nice menu of people to choose from. But the anecdotes and, you know, the quote unquote attitude shifts of all these famous people, they're fascinating to read because it was really just personal insight, personal life experiences. I love Judd Apatow's, uh, you know, his was all about failure, right? And feeling like- right. Okay, if nothing else happened, he, he basically took the pressure off of himself after creating yes. Freaks and Geeks because he felt like that was his Super Bowl. Yeah, and it, yeah. It, just, it goes so fast. I also, I love Martina Navratilova. I'm a huge tennis fan. Oh, so I could resonate great. with her. She talks about this idea of, you know, this attitude shift of if I'm angry, I'm going to turn it into positive anger. And that's all I'm going to say about that. But Mark, here's my question for you. I think there's over 40 interviews in there. First, I got to say thank you because you really... What a great encapsulation of the book. That was magnificent. Oh, Thank you. <laughs> sure. I just speaking from the heart. Um, yeah, I just each one was different. And, you know, there's ones you know about self-awareness and all these things. But yeah, this this question is sort of like, hey, what's your favorite? You know, wh who is your favorite child of all the interviews you've done in the book? Is there one that resonated? Oh, that's unfair. But not your favorite, but maybe one that resonated with you most, like an aha moment, maybe an attitude. It was a catalyst for an attitude shift for you. Any of the, you know, any or all of the above? Well, there was not necessarily a favorite and there wasn't necessarily anybody that um, I can pick out that, that, that I mean, I, I, I listen to everybody. So I look at, as an example, when you look at Judd Apatow is, you know, the, the failure, one of my concepts is the more free you are to fail, the more free you are to succeed, right? I do something that actually a Dr. Jim developed called freedom flows. Like, are you free to fail? 
Are you free not to fail? Are you free to succeed? Are you free not to succeed? So if I ever get hung up on failure, I just get free to fail. And so that, so what, when Judd talked about that, I really resonated with that because it, it had been something that I had really worked strongly on myself. Yes. Um, Agreed. One of my favorites was the late, great Tony Shea. Now, Tony was a friend. I had interviewed him for my first book, and it was just what a great loss. But he challenged the concept of even the, using the word attitude. He wanted to reframe it. And I love the fact that we were actually debating back and forth about not just semantics, but about how you can reframe what I'm talking about. And so I, I, that was interesting because I, I didn't, he's the only person that actually debated me on the concept. And he's a, he was a brilliant man. Tony was absolutely brilliant. So it, it, was, it was very refreshing. So that was, one of, that was one of my favorite moments, you know. C-Suite Radio. One of the other ones that stood out for me, Mark, was Howie Mandel's interview and sort of the trajectory of his career. And it was all about just say yes, because he was about to sort of, you know, be done with it all. And that's all I'm going to say. But his attitude shift to me was everything. It really was just such a simple thing of just say yes. Yes, which I agree, because I'm, I am a definitely a yes person. And I think it's really critical. I would, I, I'm always looking at a way, finding a way to say yes, rather than say no. And I only say no if I'm just so, I, I have a tendency to say yes so often that I get underwater because I get too busy because I've taken on too much. So just this week, I actually contacted a couple of people. I said, look, I, we need to table this because there's so much going on because now I'm involved in this new show in addition to my speaking and I thought, I love you and I really want to work with you and I want to talk about NFTs and I want to talk about AI media. Uh, can we do it next month? <laughs> right. There'll always be a next month. Well, you mentioned the new show. I, I, want, I do want to touch upon, you're working on a new music TV show? Well, yeah, I'm so grateful. I was selected to be the drummer in the house band for a new show called Project Supergroup. And what makes this show particularly exciting is it's a hybrid of The Voice and Survivor. Ooh, <laughs> it's, a, it's a Paramount. Paramount owns it, but they're they're going to show it on MTV the first season. But instead of The Voice, which es essentially cultivates solo singers to sing copy music, we <laughs> it's it's insane. Five bands. Five people each sequestered in an 8,000 square foot mansion in Nashville, given six weeks to make a band, write original music, and then perform in front of celebrity judges in a live studio audience. And one band will be picked as the supergroup. And we already have labels and major managers ready to go. It's going to be insane because I know what it's like to be in a band, one band. Imagine all of the shenanigans that are going to go on with people doing whatever they're going to be doing and cheating on their own bands. And there's so much drama when you're in a band, it's like being in a relationship with five people. I can't even imagine 25 people together, but I'm also one of the, one of the uh, lead on camera mentors. So I will have a lot of camera time helping these musicians, singers, songwriters to yeah, harness all of their energy and harness all of their talent. And we're trying to bring out the best of them because we really are trying to create at least one magnificent supergroup. We're not trying to, we will. That's will. the goal. Yes. And yes. unlike these other shows that 
have literally produced next to no talent after the show is done. Like The Voice hasn't produced one star. Whereas our interest truly is to absolutely produce one real supergroup because we want to change the complexion of the industry so there are more bands. We like I grew up with bands. I grew up with heroes. We feel like that's falling out. That's falling away to solo artists, and they're great solo artists. But it's there's a very altruistic goal with all this. But it's going to be crazy entertaining TV. And we're going to have guest mentors, Roger Daltrey, Steve Stevens from Billy Idol's band, just to name a few. And then the guest celebrity judges are not going to be announced until the very end. So again, unlike The Voice, it's not about the judges. It really is about the bands and the, how they interface and how we interface with them as mentors and the real process of how crazy and challenging it is to create a successful band. And they have such a limited amount of time. So it's going to be awesome. If this show goes the way I think it can go, it could be absolutely blow mine and so amazing and so educational and so real and so crazy. <laughs> All of that and more. There's, there's something for everybody. So you have a lot going on bottom line, Mark. Final question for you. What are you hoping people take away from this book? that you have the power to shift your attitude to drive more desirable outcomes in your life. Very simple. Great. And, and if, if for anyone out there who doesn't believe that, you read all these individual stories of all, every chapter in your book and they, they basically employ, they show you how you can do it in real life, how they did it in great detail. So the book's terrific. I can't re recommend it, you know, highly enough and you know wish you so much continued success with everything you have going on and come back anytime thank you so much i will i'd love to come back and i'll see you at uh a scotch sunday yes <laughs> see you at scotch sunday and that drum lesson Cheers. <laughs> and thanks. if you'd like thanks again thank you and if you'd like more information on the book just check out our website it's csweetbookclub.com that's c-sweetbookclub.com i'm taryn winterbrill thanks for watching we'll see you next time right here on bestseller tv like what you just heard, visit c-suiteradio.com. C-Suite Radio, turning the volume up on business. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.